This is life, life of inmates, life of CPDRC. This is the only thing special to them, the dancing. Sometimes I forget my problem if I'm cast. I see happy people face when, when they watch us dancing. I'm proud, I'm proud of that dance. I don't believe this is real. This is amazing! Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood. And more importantly, when I read this in the doc, I thought for sure this was going to be like an Orange is the New Black, like docu-comedy or something about what it's like to be in the jail where they make you do the thriller dance and all that stuff. But but instead, it, it, it raises the really interesting question. It's like if you're serving your debt to society... Why not dance during that time? I I I don't know. I, 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 let Let's bring in our special guest, uh, uh, Shannon Morris. Thank you so much for joining us from Hack Five, uh, aka Snubs. Uh, how how uh, What's your gut say about uh, Filipinian prisons that make people dance for the amusement of people on YouTube? I mean, that sounds amazing. <laughs> 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 that sounds great. I'm super excited about it. I love documentaries, especially ones about like, you know, people that I don't normally get to talk to and interact with. It opens your mind. It broadens your mind. So I love this idea. And, and of course, uh, viral sensations of the late early aughts, uh, you know, they, they, there was a number of YouTube videos on here. But but the opportunity to find out what the boots on the ground is, I guess the only question I have, Tom, is whether or not I can trust any of this. Because it seems to me like they might, you know, shape the narrative a little bit. Well, it's a documentary. So, of course, they shape the narrative because it turns out documentaries uh, aren't just unfiltered views of reality. I mean, they have to edit out something, right? Or it would you be watching vlogs? watching something in real time. Uh, but, yeah, the, the question is, how much do they shape that narrative? Is it is it capturing the truth or is it spinning it into a POV? Who's to say? Well, probably the people in that prison are. Yeah, that's that's my guess. <laughs> Only I'm going to guess that we're not going to hear their off-the-record comments. Possibly also, not. That's coming uh, to Netflix I'll, August 14th. I'll, I'll work some connections, see if I can find out. Netflix meantime, August 14th. Yeah. Let's move on to the primary target. So we've mentioned Locast, L-O-C-A-S-T, a free donation-supported internet service operating in 14 cities in the United States that streams your local broadcast stations over the internet as long as you're in your home market. Won't stream New York stations outside of New York, et cetera. It's operated by Sports Fans Coalition New York, a nonprofit operation taking advantage of a 1976 law that lets nonprofits retransmit broadcast signals as long as it doesn't receive any direct or indirect commercial advantage. Remember that phrase. You can do this. You can do it to help your community, to be like, hey, not everybody can get the broadcast signal that great, so we're going to set up a transmitter in this apartment block to make sure everybody can get the broadcast signal. And as long as we get no direct or indirect commercial advantage for doing something, we can do that. That's what Locast is saying, is like instead of a transmitter, we're using the Internet. But otherwise, we're fulfilling the terms of that 1976 law. They've been operating for a year and a half. And we've all been like, wow, they haven't been sued out of existence. That's crazy. The Aereo people must be really upset. Well, guess what? ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC have jointly filed a lawsuit against Locast. The fact that all four had to get together is probably what took them a year and a half. The suit alleges that Locast 
has admitted it used to help authorized, it's being used to help authorized services negotiate lower carriage fees with broadcasters. If they're the broadcasters, that would be a commercial advantage. The lawsuit also alleges that Lowcast is securing commercial advantages in the form of nationwide app distribution and collection of viewer data. In other words, because they get nationwide distribution on AT&T equipment and DirecTV equipment, uh, and AT&T gets to point to Lowcast during carriage disputes, that is a commercial advantage for Lowcast. They're getting distribution in exchange for helping AT&T by providing an alternative way to get local broadcast stations. AT&T has donated money to Lowcast and includes the app on DirecTV and Uverse set-top boxes. The other part of this is that Dish is a commercial beneficiary because Lowcast has, as one of its founders, David Goodfriend, who used to work for Dish. And they're saying, oh, Dish put one of their people in this business in order to provide an alternative place to get your local channels when Dish is in a carriage dispute. And as we've talked before, there's lots of carriage disputes going on. So now it goes before a judge to find out whether the 1976 law prevails or whether these allegations of commercial advantage will stand up in court. Tom. Tom. Yes, Brian. <laughs> This is why we can't have nice things, uh, <laughs> because because we had the whole fight with Aereo, and 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 then they 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 eventually got shut down, and then and then finally Lowcast comes up and does everything exactly right, but apparently its mere existence means something financially, which means that there's something to fight over. Now now here's the thing: if they are able to prove that Lowcast never would have existed unless AT&T had funded it for the purpose of creating leverage against carriage, you know, distribution, whatever. Um, sure, I see that. But I, I get the strong sense that Lowcast was funded by a lot of people and that it truly is a grassroots organization. And if that's the case... I got it. I got a fingers crossed. Hope that this lawsuit doesn't go anywhere. Shannon, what what does your gut say about this whole thing? It's kind of a gray area, right? Like it sounds like they're doing everything legally that they're supposed to do. But given this law was written way back in 1976, it sounds like the only difference that they're doing is that it's on the Internet. And that's the only difference. So now you have AT&T and all these other broadcasters going after them. And they're only they're trying to find this like one very specific thing that might give them enough to take this to court. I really, really hope low cast fights and I really hope they come out on top because we do need these kind of grassroots uh, allowances because there are a lot of people who just don't have the access. And this gives you that accessibility to things that you need to know about the world out there. So well, good and, luck, low cast. Good luck. And, and I guess, Tom, my only hesitation, one of the things that I like least in the world is when the host of Scam School is made to feel like he was a sucker. And so... Everything in me says this seems to be an earnest uh, endeavor. It it is filling a need that we all have. Yes, uh, you know we're 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 quote unquote donating. You could squint and say, well, that looks an awful lot like a fee or or what have you. But you don't um, have to pay the fee. You I use Lowcast. I've never given them a cent. Correct, but but I'm, this, a, I'm a horrible person. But yes, that's me. This whole lawsuit has caused me to to for the first time consider the fact that Lowcast is just a straw man propped up by AT and T 
completely for all we know maybe AT&T 100% funded this thing only made it and pretended like it was an independent uh, you know public interest uh, entity and then only did it to have a negotiation point which I guess is the whole point of the lawsuit uh, I I am terrified that that I'm being made the sucker here and that all of this is a puppet show well okay first of all to allay one of your fears it would be very difficult for AT&T to have fully funded Sports Fans Coalition New York and not have that show up in this lawsuit. Like ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC would have slammed that right down on the table. All they're saying is that AT&T gave a sizable donation. But you're right. The majority of the funding has not come from AT&T. The, the bigger sort of gray area of the allegation is this guy, David Goodfriend. I can see a situation where, hey, man, the person who has the expertise to help a low cast get off the ground probably worked at a situation that had streaming before. And Oh, guess what? Dish streams television. Like you're going to have to find them somewhere where else would they have worked? Uh, if good friend had worked for AT&T and AT&T had donated and AT&T was distributing the app, then it starts to look really fishy. Even then though, it's not illegal for those things to happen. It's only illegal if that's low cast's only way for only reason for being, and you can convince a judge of that in court. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, I, I don't know what the actual legal standard is in a case like this. Uh, but to your point, Shannon, if they were going to go after something, I would have thought they would go after the internet and say, well, the 76 law met over the air and it doesn't seem to be the focus of the lawsuit. Uh, so they don't think that they can convince them of that. They're going after the commercial advantage part of the law. Now, I may be a total conspiracy theorist here, but does anybody think that maybe AT&T decided to give them money just so that in the future they could go after them in court like this? Uh, oh, well, no, well, no. Uh, keep, keep in mind, it's not AT&T that, that's going after them. It's AT&T that is bolstering them. Uh, it's the, the broadcast oh, networks. Okay. Uh, the, the case from the broadcast networks are the mere existence of Lowcast is so useful to AT&T AT that we feel like they're supporting it just so that they can use that as leverage to get people to not pay increased carriage fees. Um, so DirecTV is in a dispute with CBS right now, and CBS channels are off DirecTV in many markets. And what DirecTV, owned by AT&T, can say to their customers is, hey, really sorry, but they're charging us too much to carry CBS. Go use Lowcast. Whereas if there was no Lowcast, eh, there'd be a little more pressure on DirecTV because there wouldn't be an option to offer to their customers. And in fact, Lowcast not only is an option for their customers, but is on a lot of the DirecTV equipment. Man, I got to tell you, I, I don't know what the law says about this, but morality wise, it seems like that's a fine thing to do. Like, of course, mm -hmm. for AT&T, it's better for people to have many different ways to get their local carrier or, or their local content so why wouldn't they support it i i, I don't perceive there's also no dvr on locast this is just a stream of your locally available stations yeah it's all what? it's all live it's all live tv yeah. there is no availability to record it unless you use something third party right if you if you can use play on or something like that but that's not part of locast and that's not locast responsibility so right. i you know this is very much following the letter of the law of like we're just retransmitting 
so that people who have a hard time receiving the channel can do so. Yeah, I, I, uh, I And when I say I use it, I mean, I have the app and I've turned it on and I've seen how it works. I don't really rely on it for watching anything, though. I, I, although I suspect you would if there was, uh, let's say there was an earthquake and suddenly you lost your uh, your local uh, cable connection, and you were, but you did have your cell phone connection, you might do that to look at local coverage and all that stuff. Um, the uh, I got to tell you, if it's okay for them to recommend people to use Lowcast, then it feels like it should be equally okay for them to give money to Lowcast. Yeah, I don't think it's illegal for AT&T to give money to Lowcast, but it could be seen as quid pro quo for a commercial advantage. We'll give you money, you get, we'll, we'll give you money, you give us the app, you let us use the app for distribution, that helps us, we'll keep you in business. It's pretty tenuous though. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so let's play Las Vegas bookie rules. Uh, if you're going to bet, let's go for all four of us here. Um, I'm going to bet that Lowcast survives this. I, I, I think that uh, its case is pretty strong. I don't think it has the failings that Aereo had. I think that Aereo was a pretty near thing. Um, but, but the mere fact that, that they're steadfast, like, like uh, the worst I could see is the state saying you can't take any money from interested parties who are only propping you up to use you as leverage in a carriage dispute. I suppose that could happen. I'm not, I'm not sure what latitude a judge has in, in sentencing. Um, Shannon, what do you think? Where do you place your bet? Well, I hope, I hope that Locast sticks around as I had mentioned previously, but uh, I don't know. They have really good lawyers. <laughs> So I mean, and, we might and, not and see him last. I'm, I'm told they, they have uh, pretty deep pocketbooks as well. Yes, the, they do. The, the broadcast networks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The broadcast networks, yes. Uh, I think this goes all the way to the Supreme Court uh, unless the broadcast channels win and they and and Sports Fans Coalition just gives up. But I, I think this goes all, all the way to the, the Supreme Court uh, again. And I think the Supreme Court looks at this and has the opposite reaction they did with Aereo. With Aereo, the Supreme Court basically said, yeah, I know you're saying those are all separate antennas, but they're really pretty much just acting as one antenna. And the law is pretty clear on that, so you lose. This, I think they're going to say the thing to the broadcast networks like, yeah, I know you're saying that's a commercial advantage, but uh, it wouldn't have to be. Like, there's nothing that stands out and shows that it's a direct commercial advantage. It seems to be uh, a, a sort of, you know, indirect commercial advantage for somebody else, not for Lowcast. They, so, therefore, I think we're we're going to rule in the favor of Lowcast. That's my might, guess. They might be able to make a case for the donation being a de facto subscription fee. That's the part that feels weakest to me. No, I, I I do think that that's their 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 weakest point is AT and T donating money and then placing the uh, app on their machines. If you could show that there was some conversation around that where AT and T said, yeah, 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 we're going to put the app on our machines and give you money. But again. Lowcast kind of doesn't care that that's both beneficial to Lowcast. They're not getting anything else out of it, though. Like there was no there was no quid pro quo for Lowcast except existing, which they already wanted to do. So unless you can dig up some emails that that show them saying like, yes, this was our plan all along. I, I'm not sure how you you make that convincing. And, and, the, and the funny part is, even if it was their plan all along, their plan probably involved the fact that they would get found out at some point and it would get shut down, in which case they just got to keep Lowcast alive for another year or two and then hatch another plan. Uh, Bry Bryce, if you're going to log in your vote now, what do you think is going to happen? I can 
see because uh, because locust doesn't have a subscription it's all donation i could see a lawsuit like this getting a lot of people to donate but it's gonna be a long legal battle i i, I think whether they're right or wrong i i don't know if they can weather a, a prolonged you know legal battle like that so i i would i would say i could see locust shutting down just to make it easy rather than Unless someone comes in to, to to help pay for their legal fund, but well, that's where uh, some of the interviews with David Goodfriend uh, said we knew this was coming. We've prepared for it, oh, which makes perfect sense. But whether they've prepared enough for it is a whole different question, right? Yeah, whether I mean, like because this is all for networks. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that's. You don't get all of them in the same room with a lot of. Uh, you know, although, although worth know. noting, last time I checked, uh, AT and T had some fairly deep pockets. So, so it's like if any, if if any two, if well, if, but AT and T isn't helping, isn't helping with the legal cost of Sports Fans Coalition. In not fact, they directly. Should probably should. Yeah. And if AT and T f- funded their legal, then I think that would give exactly, more, yeah. more, yeah, more credence to the idea that Dish and AT and T are using Locast as a as a as a uh, membrane to exact their own needs yeah uh, i'll tell you what if if at&t is able to continue to fund it without any of it being disclosed i can't imagine why they wouldn't it seems like in at&t's best interests to just you know spend millions dozens of millions of dollars to keep this alive illegal for a company to donate money to a legal project uh because that happens to benefit them right right? as long as the project doesn't exist just to benefit them okay and that's let, let me give you an example. Let's say there's an individual consumer, right? And what they want is to be able to watch what they want, when they want, and whatever device they please. Mm-hmm. It would not be illegal for them to donate directly, let's say through a third-party site like patreon.com slash cordkillers. They could donate directly just a dollar an episode to keep two individuals loud, live, and independent as they give them the news on how to watch these things the way that they want to watch them. Yeah, if if for instance AT&T wanted to give $10,000 at patreon.com/cordkillers because they're just so happy that we're covering this low cast case, that would be legal. They could do that. I'm sorry, I was on the phone with Ed AT&T. Uh he said he said that he's a huge fan of the show. He intends to get around to donating, but until he does, it turns out that they're under a little bit of scrutiny. He needs all of our watchers and listeners to go to patreon.com/cordkillers to sign up for just a dollar an episode to keep us loud, live and independent. Uh that's so clever. That's so clever. So, please help us out directly or indirectly by Directly giving us a dollar at patreon.com slash Or indirectly giving us a dollar by having your friend give us a dollar at patreon.com slash killers. <laughs> All right, let's talk about how to watch. Uh, speaking of AT&T, they're not going to want to give us $10,000 after this story. AT&T announced that later this summer, it's changing the name of DirecTV Now, not DirecTV, but DirecTV Now, the streaming service, to AT&T TV now, because it has more T's. <sighs> um, current DirecTV Now subscribers will basically just transition. It'll be a name change. They'll have to reaccept terms of service, probably because of the na- change of the name. Uh, they'll have to re-log in when that happens. Otherwise, nothing else will change. Channel lineups are, are not supposed to change right away or anything. The company will also launch a new television streaming service called AT&T TV, but not now, just AT&T TV, which will use a thin client set-top box. 
this seems to be a play for people who don't understand, like, wait, I don't know where I'm going to watch this. They'll be like, we'll give you a box. We'll replace your satellite. We'll replace your cable. We'll give you a box, and you'll get your channels. Uh, and just for clarity, both AT&T TV and AT&T TV Now will be accessible from the same mobile and connected apps. Oh, hey, hey, guys, Ed's on the phone. Ed at and is, is almost here. Uh, uh, come on. Hey, we'll see you in just a second, Ed. All right. <clears throat> all right. We're all here. Uh, uh, Shannon, uh, uh, Tom, Microsoft, we're all here in the room. Okay. Uh, listen, uh, you know the plan. When Ed at and comes in, we're going to have this intervention. We're going to explain about how you don't have to put your name on everything, and maybe it's a bad thing. We're going to point out their failure about how Singular was a well-beloved, popular brand in the cell phone market, but for some reason upon buying them, at and decided they had to take a brand that everybody hated and slap their name all over Microsoft, next up, you're going to bring up the fact that there was no reason to make sure to put Microsoft all over the words Xbox. Xbox was a great brand. Let's all admit that you ruined it by putting the word Microsoft on top of it. Tom, uh, uh, just tell me I'm right. You're right. Okay, good. All right, Shannon, what say you? Is this the dumbest move, or is there a dumber move that AT&T could be making right now? I have to <laughs> applaud you because I feel the exact same way about this stupid name change. <laughs> I mean, I I sort of, if I'm, I'm going to, you know, it's my job to try to give somebody credit for something. I sort of get the idea of them saying, well, wait a minute. Satellite's dying. We're losing subscribers for satellite. And there's confusion over DirecTV Now and DirecTV because people think DirecTV Now is satellite. So we need a different brand to let people know, hey, this is a new television service. Okay? Full stop right there, right? Before renaming it. Second, I also get them saying... When we go to pitch people who are not really tech savvy or not conversant with streaming, if we can say, this is a product where we'll, we'll just send you a box, you plug it in, you attach, uh, you attach it to your internet, and it's self-install. It's the easiest thing in the world. I get where that will sound appealing to people like, oh, wait, I don't need a cable installer to come by. I don't need somebody to put a satellite on my roof. That's interesting. Even though you and I know, like, well, you could just go buy a Roku and do the same thing yourself, right? I get where that makes sense. Where... Where I, I'm losing it is exactly where, where you guys are, which is, well, wait a minute. So I get changing it from DirecTV, but why did you then name it after the phone company? So <laughs> because that's what's in their playbook. That's what they've done before. And no, he, I, yeah, I know. He, here's the hardest thing for me to say out loud is if you wanted to do this right, you have a genuine problem in that DirecTV is associated with an old uh, aging uh mechanical demographic of, of the satellite. And you could make a case that DirecTV now had a poor launch and is not well beloved. But if what you want to do is get away from DirecTV now, this is very difficult for me. There is a case study of somebody who did it right, did it very, very right. And it is Time Warner changing to Spectrum. That was yep. a very savvy move that they executed very myself, well. I know exactly what they did. And I find myself thinking more positively about Spectrum than Time Warner Cable, which is ridiculous. It, it is. Because it's the same company. 
But 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 they did it right. They did it right. They came up with a new word that was generally positive. It gave them a, a, a blank slate to start again. I don't understand AT&T's and- obsession with their own name. Comcast didn't do it nearly as well, but Comcast tried to do it with Xfinity and is still trying to do it. Like, no, 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 it's Xfinity cable, right? Nobody's playing along with that, so it's not really working as well. But it's kind of the right idea. Like, everybody hates Comcast. Let's call it something else. I mean, I'm not saying everybody hates AT&T like they hate the other ones, but it doesn't mean snappy new cool television network that's modern to me. It just doesn't. And it's still confusing because you, now you have AT&T TV and AT&T TV now. Like you're you're going to have to explain that to every single customer that signs up. I mean, that's going to take a long time. Unless what teams. you want is for them to be confused and uh, something between you yeah, and the wall. The I suppose that's exactly what they want. <laughs> it's just well, easier for me to like, get a cable box. I want that. Like, I know AT&T. Uh, they do the telegraph. They're probably going to rent that box too, you know. Yes. Come up, come up. No, actually, apparently they're not. They're just going to sell it. But um, yeah, you know what? I say that. I say that, but they'll sell it and they'll also charge them a fee. You know, they're right. Um, But if they called it like, um, you know, Fancy Pants Now and Fancy Pants was their two names. I, I can see where they can market those separately. Fancy Pants Now is for us. You put that in your web uh, advertising, you give it like, here you go, sign up right now, download it, works on your Apple TV, your Roku, et cetera. Uh, and then Fancy Pants Not Now is only marketed to people who are not likely to know how to download and do that stuff themselves. You you basically call DirecTV customers and say like, hey, would you like to fix change to Fancy Pants? It'd be amazing. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Fancy Pants, direct, uh, going back to the real names, AT&T TV's only difference is we will give you the the equipment. AT and TV now is just same same exact service from what I can tell, but you provide your own equipment. Well, back to my original point. Both AT and T and Microsoft suffer from a chronic misunderstanding of how much their names are hated. Nobody loves their name. So, would you like Microsoft branded coffee? No. Would you like AT and T branded Microsoft fruit? Anymore. No, you wouldn't. Uh, I don't know that Microsoft's your strongest <laughs> example anymore. People actually kind of like. They're softened up on Microsoft. Well, specifically because of two things, of course, uh, Bill Gates rehabilitating his image, but more importantly, uh, the Xbox being a genuinely good product and then consistently, it took literally over a decade for them to rehabilitate the brand. It was a negative on the brand up until uh, the last few years. But your point stands, uh, which is that um, this is silly. (laughs) <laughs> this is silly. If if it wasn't for the name, actually, let's let's take the name out of it. Do you think that this is a, a a decent approach for them? I think I think that I think that um in the wake of a very successful transition from Time Warner to Spectrum, this is total nonsense. You just watched the most successful rebranding I've seen in the last 20 years of the most hated provider of internet capability to all of a sudden a neutral, if not positive uh, uh, one, why you would go with the move that set singular back by a decade is insane to me. Right. But if they, if they didn't have that problem, do you think this is a good move? Uh, No, no, no. A line extension is never a good move. 
No, no, no. Like basically take the name away, take oh. the line extension away and say like, okay, they've got a, a, a decent name for these two products for their online, unless you're saying they shouldn't be doing online streaming, but no, 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 no. So, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, to clarify, um, to me, the right move would be to rehabilitate the direct uh, DirecTV brand, not because the DirecTV brand in general is well beloved. Most people who have DirecTV, the satellite service, were very happy with it. DirecTV okay. now had a problem. So what you do is you rehabilitate the DirecTV brand by making the DirecTV now offering as good as the satellite version. Sure. Okay. But I guess what I'm trying to get is that forget the names, forget the marketing, forget all of that. Having a product that is an app and online only and a product that's for people who want the device included. Do you think that's good? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> no, no, that, that that that's fine. I, I, I would just not name them the same thing. I would I would right. no, whenever I'm saying, possible. Let's name them something else. Do you do you like the strategy? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like we're mismatched on on this. I I don't know that that, that we're going to quite hit the same level in time. I think it's completely fair to have that kind of business strategy because you're hitting two very different markets, both of which really want that access. So they're going to be able to hit both of them just fine with something online and then something that's not. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know that you have to kill. Uh, I don't know how to divorce this from the name conversation, but it's like, you know, <laughs> spent a lot of time and energy building the Just words DirecTV. Pretend, pretend it's a different brand altogether, Brian. What, be, 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 uh, I, I, I can't. I can't. I, I'm too tied into this. I'm, I'm too invested emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, folks, uh, let us know what you think, courtkillers at gmail.com, and let's move on to talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. I like this It's all about location, location, Under Surveillance. Well, folks, Netflix has released a trailer for The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran and Al Pacino as his friend Jimmy Hoffa. The story spans several decades, and Scorsese used digital effects and makeup to de-age the actors, both Pacino and De Niro. The film stars uh, Joe Pesci as Russell Bufalino, Harvey Keitel, Bobby Cannavale, Anna Paquin, and Ray Romano. It's debuting in theaters and on Netflix, though they haven't said when. We do know that it will get its inner, its premiere, its world premiere at the New York Film Festival, which opens September 27th. What a tempting poison pill it must be to the marketing team to lean heavy on the de-aging side of this thing, because that's something that's in the cultural gestalt that we're all excited about. We want to look at this footage and say, oh, how believable or not believable it is. Uh, the marketing folks, I would imagine, would love to like, like push this, push, push this. But I would uh, imagine that the storytelling side of things is like, please don't uh, let the story stand on its own. Let the de-aging be just an artifact of the way we tell this story. And I felt like this compromise was what we saw on this trailer because there wasn't much in there for somebody who doesn't, you know, is not overly attracted to this kind of story. Like, and, and, and again, I'd hate to admit it, but the seven seconds of de-aged actors that I saw, I was heavily criticizing whether or not I thought they were good or not. Did you know about the de-aging before you watched I, the trailer? I did. And that almost certainly yeah. shaped my experience because for I it. Because I didn't. 
I watched the trailer and didn't even realize they had been de-aged. And, and so did that shape anything for your experience? Or I, I guess you certainly weren't distracted. I watched the trailer and was like, oh, cool. A really good Scorsese period piece. I'm looking forward to this. What an amazing cast. That was my takeaway. What, what about you, Shannon? Like, like uh, how much does this, this kind of story attract you? And, then, and, and also, you know, the, 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 the multiple decades well, the story itself doesn't really attract me that much because I'm not into like real life dramatizing, especially ones that are like like the criminal type dramas and stuff like that. I'm gangster just not really stories. Into the gangster stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, but with that said, the the de-aging, I felt like it was really subtle in in the trailer. But maybe that was just me. I just didn't really notice it that much. I felt like the story that I was seeing in the trailer was really taking over from anything that would make like take me out of that moment and make me focus on that de-aging. It just felt subtle to me. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear years from now that that uh, that. Everybody working on this property, I'm making all of this up, by the way. Uh, if I were working on this property, I would wish that de-aging wasn't newsworthy so that nobody would focus on it because it seems to me like they're really trying to focus on the story but you know that's the right tool for the job at this point yeah i it was funny because i, I watched this trailer and then afterwards uh eileen came home and was like man did that de-aging did that bother you is it all the same things you're saying and i was like oh i didn't even notice it and it was because she in her job at rotten tomatoes uh was exposed to all this discussion that everyone was having about that and making it the focus i don't know if it's the marketing from netflix about it i don't know if it's just the gestalt and the journalism around it that that's causing it it's probably a combination of both right yeah i don't get the impression that scorsese was trying to highlight that in this trailer, or I would have seen something that stood out to me as like, whoa, look how young he, he looks. Uh, instead, I just saw, to your point, Shannon, a, you know, a Scorsese crime story, which may or may not be your, your deal, but uh, if it is, this looks like a pretty good one. Yeah. Also has me really excited for uh, a, a friend of ours podcast, which covers the uh, mob ties to the 1960 election, which, you oh, know, nice. zeitgeist, folks. <laughs> All right, Showtime announced that Natasha McElhone, uh, you might know her from Californication, will star as Dr. Catherine Halsey, also the Cortana AI in the Halo TV series. Bokeem Woodbine, who played Mike Milligan in Fargo, will star as Soren 066, and Indian actress Shabana Azmi will play the Office of Naval Intelligence head Admiral Margaret Parangoski. The series is scheduled to premiere on Showtime in Q1 of 2021 so this, not this coming january but a year after that this feels like a really rich vein to tap i like the fact that everything about this sounds to me uh from the outside like it's going to be a fine standalone story that happens to be set in a backdrop that is well beloved by millions of gamers worldwide uh, uh shannon are, are you hip to the halo universe does, does the halo-ness appeal to you or or the uh, ai-ness well, that game came out, the original came out when I was in college. So I was definitely the right target market for that because that's all I did in college. Uh, I'm not that great at Halo. I have played it a little bit, but I feel like the the choices that they're making for the cast are perfect. They're not only really diverse, but they're also like you think about her voice. Uh, you think about Natasha's voice and it's it's perfect for the 
Cortana AI. Um, I'm not so so sure about Dr. Catherine. I need to go back and play the games to really uh, remember her part. But yeah, I think this is great. I'm really excited to hear about it, especially like Bokeem as well. Like he's going to be really awesome for that part as part two. So I think that Halo gamers are really going to enjoy this. It seems like they're putting a lot of thought into it. And I appreciate that as a hardcore gamer. It, it is a little bit weird that Cortana is the voice assistant of of uh, of note in the uh, Microsoft ecosystem. It's a little bit like uh, the Siri movie, you know, like I, I don't know how to feel about that side of things. Although when I think of it as an extension of Halo, it makes it easy to really dig. Well, it's funny how quickly we've gone from like so weird that Microsoft named their voice assistant after the Halo character to it's so weird that the Halo TV series has the voice assistant in it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Are they going to re-record Natasha McElhone as the voice of Cortana? No on way. No way. No way. Dude, they, they should. I mean, I would still not use Cortana because creepy, but dude, they totally should. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, this is the same Halo TV series we've been talking about for the entire run of Cord Killers, and it's not scheduled to come out until 2021, but... At least we have casting. All right, let's talk about Stephen King writing a new ending to the CBS All Access series based on The Stand, which is coming late next year. The new ending will expand on the fate of key characters. That's all it said in the story I read about this. It's not known now if this is a wholly new ending or an alternate ending like from the book, The Stand. Stephen King wrote an alternate ending for The Stand. Maybe it's a take on that. Maybe it's something wholly new. We don't know. Uh, so I read The Stand when I was, I believe, 15 years old, and uh, then I read the Dark Tower series, which, spoiler alert, ties into The Stand, uh, and then I revisited The Stand just like three months ago, and uh, uh, hot take here, the ending of The Stand, kind of garbage. Like, when I read this headline, was kind of super stoked. There was, like, uh, without any details, The Stand was... I make a prediction. This will be the ending of the book. And then later, like everybody did things just because and nothing made sense. And then like, because God, and then that was the end of the book. Uh, <laughs> so, Deus Ex Machina, definitely, to yes, the extreme, to the extreme. So the idea that, that they have an opportunity to go back and you can achieve the same ending as in the book, but give human reasons for things instead of everybody doing things just because. And I, I'm highly optimistic for it. Ka is a wheel, and there's no reason not to just take another shot at that ending. I mean, I mean, if, if now that I'm realizing, like ten years ago, Stephen King uh, was portraying Ka as a wheel mainly as a reason to keep going back and and trying to fix things he did before. Yeah, <laughs> like this time, gonna get it right, gonna get it right. <laughs> Shannon, are you at all excited about this? Uh, I haven't read The Stand. I would like to because I. it sounds kind of like an apocalyptic story. Correct yep. me if I'm yep, wrong. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, a, a disease wipes I, out 99.9% of all of humanity. If you consider I, that apocalyptic. I have a bag in my car right now. Like I love apocalyptic stuff. So this is definitely something up my alley. I think I would enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to seeing the show. Also, CBS All Access has ordered a series based on the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth that, that starred David Bowie. Uh, the series will be executive produced and written by Alex Kurtzman and Jenny Lumet and directed by Kurtzman. Of course, Kurtzman, uh, the one who is the the operation behind Star Trek Discovery these days. I don't know a dang thing about this story. Do, uh, Shannon, do you, Tom, can you describe no. it to me? I know the... time. <laughs> It's it's essential. I know the music better than the movie. I probably watched the movie when I was 
highly incapacitated in college. Uh, but if I remember it right, uh, David Bowie plays an alien who comes to Earth at a time when Earth is facing, you know, serious problems. And he, as the alien, has to decide how much to help humanity and how much to protect his own alien race from humanity. Got it. Well, it sounds cool. Yeah. I'll watch it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and Alex Kurtzman was also one of the folks who worked on Fringe. So there's a oh, precedent. Oh, I liked Fringe. That yeah. was a really good show. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably like it then. Uh, finally, HBO Max has ordered an eight-episode series based on Madeline Miller's book, Circe. Uh, this is a book that Veronica Belmont and I read for the Sword and Laser book club. It tells the story and relationship of Odysseus and the goddess Circe from Circe's perspective. If you've read the Odyssey, Circe is the one who turns everybody into pigs. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Circe's the one. Uh, she she's, uh, uh, feeds them all drugs, right? Yeah. Yeah, she feeds them all drugs, and then when they're all asleep, she turns them into pigs, except for Odysseus, because he was off doing something else, and then she kind of gets a crush on Odysseus. So the book is explaining that, like, no, 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 all these stories get Cersei wrong. Here's what was really going on with her. Here's why she did the thing with the pigs. Uh, and it's it's a really interesting, like, let's tell the story from the villain's perspective kind of book. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that turn I, into a television I'm show. sure this will be great, but man, oh man, this is so close to what I really want. I would love to see a series about uh, Penelope's story, about what it's like to be somebody who's told that your husband's died far away. By the way, uh, literally- Penelope we named- is a main, major- part of the Cersei book. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. Bringer in the TV story. Oh, wonderful. Well, I, I, we literally named our daughter uh, after that character, you know, uh, uh, so, so that would be, that would be amazing. You should have named her Cersei. Nope. <laughs> nope. And her middle name could have been Lana. I, I, yeah, I was about to say, Different I was about to say, uh, I couldn't pick a worse time to say that. <laughs> All right, uh, let's speed through some other notes here. Deadline reports that Amazon has approved Viola Davis's Juvie Productions to turn the movie Fast Color into a series for Prime Video. That's a movie that tells the story of three generations of black women with superpowers. Parrot Analytics estimates that the seventh and final season of Orange is the New Black saw a 26% increase in France, making it the most popular non-English market for the show and third most popular market for Orange is the New Black overall behind the US and UK. HBO Max signed a deal with the BBC to become the exclusive home of the 11 seasons of the new era of Doctor Who starting in 2020. HBO Max also getting The Office UK, Top Gear, Luther, and The Honorable Woman. Future seasons of Doctor Who will also go to HBO Max after they've aired. ABC will air a live performance of The Little Mermaid on November 5th starring Moana's Ali'i Cravalho as Ariel, Queen Latifah as Ursula and Shaggy as Sebastian the Crab. Netflix announced a fourth final season of 13 Reasons Why. Will, in fact, is in production and will be the last seasons of 13 Reasons Why. Season three, the second to last season, premieres August 23rd. And Netflix has not renewed the OA for a third season. All right, let's talk about the most important thing. Bryce, how are you handling this cancellation notice? It's very bad. I've missed the OA. <laughs> Shannon, you watched the OA? <laughs> Oh my god, I'm obsessed with that show. So I like good. I watched it like three or four times. I it was so freaking good. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was just so weird and like completely unexpected. The second season threw me for a whole loop. I mean, I yeah. should have been drinking while I was watching that show. It just <laughs> crazy. Yeah, <sighs> I'm really bummed because they left a lot of questions totally open at the end of the second season, and now yeah. we're not gonna know. Man, 
I'm gonna have to write like re- write some fanfics for myself or something. I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, I know the the writers um, or the creators initially said that they had plotted out uh, the show to be three to five seasons long. So to be cut off after the second season, which definitely sets up a a whole new thing. Uh, that yeah. that hurts, man. That that's that's a real shame because I think I think it's a really special show, um, yeah. even if it's weird and if it's got some unpleasant moments. But uh, hashtag save the. That's LA. what makes it so unique, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> All right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Something you watched recently that you loved, Shannon. Besides the OA, what is it? Uh, well, lately, um, just a quick hit. Sailor Moon Stars has a new dub. So it's the first time we've ever gotten a dubbed version of Sailor Moon Stars, which is the last season of Sailor Moon in United States. So everybody in the fan community is freaking out about this right now. You can watch it on Hulu coming up pretty soon, uh, but you can get the Blu-ray and DVD right now. That's how I've been watching it. Handmaid's Tale season three. I'm fully caught up on that show and I've been digging it. Uh, it's pretty exciting. The very, the most recent episode is the only one that I have uh, like had a, huge grin on my face at the end of the episode Mm. because of what happened won't spoil it for anybody but it's getting really good so um i'm pretty excited especially with like the changes in the main characters you're seeing them develop in these hardcore ways and you you never thought that you would see them do what they are doing in this third season so i'm really excited about it yeah eileen and i haven't started it and we keep saying we're going to and then i think we keep chickening out uh, because we want to watch something fun instead so that's good to know about that most recent episode yeah, finally, I was just like, yes, yes, this should have happened a long time ago. It was great. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Right? Oh, I was going to ask you go first, Brian. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have much. Uh, I had a family reunion, so I did watch Extras and Preacher today. But the only other TV show I watched was on Friday. It was a lot of fun to be with my extended family and to casually be able to say like, oh, wait, is it? Friday at 8.15, my friend's TV show is airing on Shark Week. And so we ran over to turn on Discovery and Andrew Main Ghost Diver uh, came on. He did a a special where uh, he shot it just over a year ago, uh, where he basically tries to create uh, Iron Man's stealth armor to to fool great white sharks uh, that he's not there or that they shouldn't come near him. And he walks out of the cage and just hangs around with a uh, uh, shark. Uh, spoiler alert. He's definitely alive. But anyway, uh, I had pie with him the other day. I can attest to the fact that he did live spoiler. Uh, no, I'm, I'm so pleased for him. By a shark. I need to try this. And I'm sure, I'm sure you guys can find it online. Oh uh, yeah, it's on it's on demand on Discovery. Uh, if you if you have PlayStation View Sling or anything, it's also re-airing if you want to put in a, a a little DVR request uh, to record it. And it's absolutely worth watching. I watched it too. I got really excited. I watched the West Coast airing on Friday, uh, and was was having fun like watching Andrew live tweet uh, while the airing was going on and giving I, some inside bits. I think about what things, was happening. I think one of the things I dug the most about it was how simple the story is. It's like I have an idea. We're going to do a first test with tiger sharks. That didn't go well. Now we've made corrections. Let's see if it works with great whites. I mean, it's like that's a fine hour of reality programming. I'm glad they went with the name Ghost Diver instead of Don't Bite Andrew Mayne. I also also like the fact, and this is probably most people won't get this experience, of seeing someone I know and love uh, walk out into the open ocean surrounded by great white sharks. And even knowing, like, I just saw him. 
He's totally fine. <laughs> Having that moment of pan of real panic, like I can't believe you are doing that. Well, and it's funny because I, I watched uh, the show with a bunch of normies, people who are not in the TV biz, uh, you know, my family. And it's like as he walks out, I hear one of them go like, "No way." What is he doing? And I'm just like, I'm like, he's he's fine. He, he's I, we yeah, can call yeah. him right now if that would be helpful. Uh, I the the one I want to throw in there is uh, I've been watching a Korean show called uh, in in English on Vicky they call it Guardian the Lonely and Great God, which I don't understand why. The direct translation in Korean would be Goblin, which I think is a much better title. Uh, it was one that Eileen watched and loved. And so I just kind of put it on early Sunday morning while she was still asleep to be like, eh, let me see what it's like. Totally got sucked in. Uh, the idea is that a, an ancient warrior in Korea uh, gets cursed and must not die uh, and and sort of walk the earth as an immortal until he finds the goblin bride. So they turn him into a goblin and he's got this invisible sword in him that only the goblin bride can remove and end his his eternal suffering. So he's immortal, but it's not a good thing, right? Uh, and there's also a character that plays the Grim Reaper, who's sort of kind of, you know, upset that he can't, this guy won't die because he can't check him off the list. And it's it's got some humor. It's got some good drama. And it's a good, good ghost, ghosty story. So if you get Vicky, uh, which is free, you can anybody can download it. Uh, check out Guardian, the Lonely and Great God a.k.a. Goblin. Cool. Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a pick for Sherlock Holmes fans in the inbox. Alan writes, Hi, Bryce and gang. I've been watching Miss Sherlock. It's a modern version of the Sherlock Holmes mythos, but set in Japan. And Sherlock and Watson, or Watosan, are both women. It's a lighthearted take and leans more into the role of Watson as a frumpy sidekick than maybe some of the other modern takes do. I like it for the kind of weird amalgamation of Sherlock Holmes, uh, a, a acerbic brand of mystery solving combined with Japanese culture. Seems like it would be right up Tom's alley. It was co-produced by HBO Asia and Hulu, but for some reason, it's only available on HBO. You can also buy it from major retailers like Apple or Vudu. I haven't heard anything about season two, so maybe season one is the only one. If you thought Sherlock Holmes rattling off deductions in Detective Gobbledygook was weird, wait till you hear it in Japanese. Thanks, Alan. We've actually talked about Hulu in Japan before, um, but the long story short is that Hulu Japan is not Hulu in the rest of the world. Hulu Japan is owned by TV Tokyo, I believe, uh, so yep. you're not going to see it on Hulu.com anytime. There's like a licensing deal to right. use the name and there's there's a connection with Hulu the Hulu that is owned by Disney but they're not it's like Yahoo Japan also right. not the same company as Yahoo that's right so, also uh, a, a, so a quick quick jab out of nowhere uh, in an alternate universe Disney did not get all of the copyright laws rewritten and by now the renaissance that we're seeing of all these versions of the Sherlock stories we would be experiencing with the Star Wars stories but instead we live in the universe <laughs> where where Disney has a lock on all of the legislators and that won't happen yeah, but all that Jules Verne stuff is open source, is public domain. Sure, right? sure. Let's get, get, get ready for that next. All of it. Let's go. <laughs> hey, folks, if you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us cordkillers at gmail.com. Uh, we do a lot of other things besides cord killers. And one of the things I want to mention to you is it's a thing. I used to do podcasting with Ms. Molly Wood at CNET back in the days. And we really enjoyed doing a podcast together so much that we invented a podcast just so we could talk together. And it's turned out to be super fun. And we've got a great audience. And you should be a part of it if you're not already. It's a thing. Is Molly and I sitting down each week with our producer, Rich Straffolino, and identifying things that are becoming trends, uh, whether it's Lizzo or Lil Nas X 
or self-cleaning water bottles uh, or a teardrop campers uh, or whatever. Uh, we make you look cooler because you know about these things before they hit big. So get in on the know. Have a good time listening to Molly and I talk about trends and subscribe right now to It's a Thing at itsathing.me. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. All right, this is a publicity stunt, but I want to see what you guys think about it. Netflix published a co-watching contract for couples who binge watch shows together. There are five rules delineated in the contract. One, I won't fall asleep. Two, I won't get distracted by my phone causing the other person to rewind because I missed something. Three, I won't continue watching a show without the other person present. Four, I won't talk while the show is on. And five, in the event that I come across a spoiler, I will not share it with the other person. This is adorable. It's fine. Yes, it's advertising, whatever. But those marketing people have to do something to fill their time. Shannon, what say you? Oh, what? Can oh. you rewind a little bit? Because I was um, texting. Oh, I, I thought for sure you were downloading the contract to present to the Snubs Hubs. <laughs> I actually might, though, because he's the one that falls asleep during like every single Avengers movie. So I'm definitely considering just sending this to him and making him sign it. Yeah, no, I, I, have, thought, I thought it was super cute. I have to say four out of these five are not a problem for me and Eileen. <laughs> ooh, well, uh, ooh, ooh. Uh, sounds like you have to print it out just for one of them security I researcher won't get distracted by my phone causing the other person to rewind ooh, ooh. that's a rough one security researcher beto on security noticed that the netflix app on android requested access to his physical activity data netflix told the next web that quote this was part of a test to see how we can improve video playback quality when the member is on the go not all netflix accounts are, are in the test and netflix doesn't have any rollout plans at this time android q has added an activity recognition permission to android q to let uh, developers know if you're in motion when you're using the app could be used to help figure out the best Best way to buffer video so it doesn't skip. I don't doubt all of that, but also I don't doubt that they could figure out a way to do it that doesn't require knowing literally every step you take. Every breath you take. Since this is uh, Android, I believe there's a way to disable that permission. Yeah. Um, you have yeah. to, they're, they're, they're following the Android uh, rules and they, they ask, hey, could we, could you give us permission to read this? And you can say no. Yeah. Yeah, it's legitimate, but eh, nobody likes it. I I just, I would be fine with it if I knew it really was going to improve things. But I I feel like, and I, I asked on Daily Tech News Show for an explanation and I didn't get uh, an acceptable one, like why my physical activity would help improve video codecs. Like being in a car, driving around fast, moving from cell tower to cell tower, sure. But I don't run that fast, so... I'm not sure how my physical activity would really change the video streaming enough to make this useful. I maybe 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 they're overplaying the uh, technical side of things. I guarantee you Netflix would love to know the exact percentage of its audience who is jogging while watching oh, their program. Oh sure. Yeah. So but they that's not what they're saying correct, they want to correct. Yeah. So 
If they're just lying, then I'm mad. Maybe they maybe they can turn down the bitrate if you're jogging because they know you're not going to be looking at the screen very still. Or, so... or it could be that they're doing stuff like exploring audio-only mm. options. Like, yeah. like, oh, hey, I noticed you're jogging. Would you prefer to just listen with the audio descriptions? Mm -hmm. Are you just trying to get caught up? Like, that's yeah. something I would be into. Yeah, it doesn't seem and, too crazy. And granted, Netflix does say this is a test. And so we, we tend to want to jump to conclusions that a test means they're going to do it. But a test might mean, hey – Maybe this would be helpful. And then they do the test. And they're like, yeah, turns out, no, not not very helpful. So, yeah, I will await any further explanations before I make a judgment. But I still am skeptical. CBS and Viacom reportedly agreed on an executive structure for a possible merger. That's another one we've been covering the entire history of Cord Killers. Viacom CEO Bob Bakish would become CEO of the combined company. CBS CEO Joe Ionello would oversee all the CBS-branded assets under the combined company. National Amusements is the controlling investor in both of these companies. So if they can get everybody in the board on board on both companies, they'll make it happen. Sherry Redstone has been pursuing a merger of the companies for quite a while now. The two companies were separated in 2006 by Sherry's father, Sumner Redstone. Uh, at the time, they thought, oh, two smaller, agile companies will do better. And it turns out they were wrong. Yeah, I don't really have a strong emotional take on this one way or another. Shannon, does reading any of this do anything for you? Nope, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, the, re the, the reason a, an average consumer would care about this story is if you're worried that shows you love from one or both of these companies would go away. Uh, making them a stronger company means they are less likely to succumb. So if you're like, I love Star Trek Discovery or I, I love Comedy Central shows, um, you know, having a stronger company means they can compete with the Disneys of the world without just mm -hmm. getting eaten up by the Disney's and Netflix's of the world. Right. Uh, meanwhile, CW Seed, a kind of incubator streaming channel for a CW show, will add a live ad-supported streaming channel to the app. People TV, which makes content from brands like People Magazine and Entertainment Weekly, will partner on content for the new offering. Sounds to me like maybe a competitor for, like, what, TMZ? Uh, Seed re represents about 20% of the total digital viewing and ad revenue for the CW with a median age of 28 and a 50-50 gender split. I'll be honest, I, I installed Seed on my Roku years ago and I never understood who it was for, what it was for, and now I finally do. This was a gamble that paid off. They're like, you know what? People in this demo don't subscribe to cable, don't even subscribe to streaming services. Let's make a channel for them. And apparently it has worked to the point where they think it's worth providing a live streaming channel for them to just pop into and be like, let me see what's on on Seed. CW was one of the first channels that I remember had a, a a website back in the day that you could go to and watch their shows ad supported. So and and I'm right in that target market as well, just a few years older than that. So I've always enjoyed their content, and I think this is a wonderful idea for them. And and keep in mind, this is not CW. This is Seed. It's run C by C CW. CW Seed, yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't have. Any of the CW, well, it has some back catalog stuff from CW to be right. fair, but but it's it's making its own original content and putting it out right. and and actually succeeding better than the CW app is. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, Lionsgate opened Lionsgate Entertainment World in Hengqin, China. It's the studio's first Asian theme park, uh, although it really uh, the other attractions it have are in Dubai and Las Vegas. So this is the first that that feels more like a theme park, although it's all in a building. It's in a 
like a, a multi-story building. It includes attractions based on the Hunger Games, Twilight, and Divergent, as well as local Chinese hits, Now You See Me, Gods of Egypt, and Escape Plan. By the way, Gods of Egypt, considered a flop around the world, huge in China, so much that they're making an amusement park around it. Uh, Lionsgate Movie World is due to open in Korea as well in 2022. Uh, if all of this sounds crazy to you guys, I recommend that you check out the Defunct Land YouTube channel where you learn about all kinds of uh, uh, crazy theme parks all across the world uh, and uh, why they closed. And uh, once you learn a little bit more about it, all of this will make more sense, I think. I also think this is uh, important to follow because the the progression for these companies, if they don't merge with a Disney, is to try to become a Disney uh, and part of that is merchandise and theme parks. So seeing Lionsgate kind of taking their first steps into that uh, will be interesting to watch. Yeah, no, uh, more competitors in that space is is going to be nothing but good, I, I suspect. Hulu signed a deal with film distributor Bleecker Street for streaming rights to all of the upcoming releases, plus other movies like Hotel Mumbai, Teen Spirit, and The Art of Self-Defense, among others. I don't know any of those movies. I went and saw The Art of Self-Defense last week, and it's two thumbs up. Yeah? Yeah. Hotel Mumbai was cute. I like that. Uh, and and the, you know this is a this is the kind of deal you need to see Hulu doing uh, so that they can diversify their offering because even though people tend to only complain about Netflix losing shows, Hulu loses shows all the time too. Just doesn't have as big of an audience yet. So they they need to bolster up that offering, and this is a good way to do it. it seems like. Yeah, man. Uh, hey, uh, before we move on, a little bit of a, a truly truly sad news, and it's uh, it it hits on two levels. Um, to most By the, the way, no, I have to take before before you start that, I have to take something back real quick. I was uh, confused about Hotel Mumbai, which is not cute at all because it's about a terrorist attack. Oh, yes. what's funny is uh, I was like, <laughs> that was that was my reaction to that. I was like, I, you were I thinking of a hotel for dogs. Movie, hotel Transylvania. Uh, so I regret yeah. the error. Uh, <laughs> he was thinking of Monster hotel House. Mumbai. <laughs> Uh, uh, you were thinking Hotel Transylvania, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what I was thinking. Uh, hey, guys, if you guys are listening to Night Attack, then you know that last week we got a bit of uh, uh, truly terrible news. Um, uh, Well-beloved internet icon, uh, Grant Thompson, the king of random, uh, died uh, surprisingly in a uh, paragliding accident. Um, he was a personal friend of mine. We've done a number of collaborations. Uh, I, I went out and hung with him and his family a number of times. Um it uh, uh, it really hit me uh, on on a deep personal level, and uh, if you want to listen to an impromptu eulogy uh, of about forty minutes, then listen to the uh, Night Attack feed. Uh, in the meantime, uh, best wishes to that entire team as YouTube becomes uh, a, a bigger, more mature uh, workspace. You know, it's uh, I, I assume that 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 a lot of amateur independent creators are going to have to deal with stuff like this. And uh, uh, best wishes to all of all of uh, both uh, Grant's family uh, and to all of the team at the King of Random. All right, let's move on to some dispatches from the front. Adam in San Diego was listening to our episode about streaming services coming and all the subscribers that some of the services like Derek TV now have lost. And it got Adam wondering, Adam says, why do cable companies offer discount rate locks for contracts, but streaming services do not? 
For example, when I signed up for UVerse, it was two years at a discounted monthly rate, but I was locked in for two years. I didn't mind because I knew I was going to keep it for at least that long anyway, but I'm not seeing Netflix or Hulu or CBS All Access offering any kind of package that says, hey, we're $12 a month, cancel any time, but if you pay for a year or two years or even three years, the monthly rate is $8 a month. Don't get me wrong. I love and often utilize the ability to start and stop various services, but was just wondering why nobody offers something like this in order to keep subscribers longer. I have a theory, Tom. I think it's yeah. because, hold on, let me consult my notes. People hate that shit. Uh, sorry, Bryce, <laughs> you're gonna have to bleep that out. Uh, uh, but but tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think that is a, uh, a way to summarize it. Uh, uh, Shannon, do you have a theory? <laughs> Um, I agree. I am one of those people that ends up paying the yearly fee for the subscription if it's something I'll use for a long time, like Adobe Premiere Pro or a subscription box or whatever it might be. But if they gave me that price for a yearly fee, I know they can afford it to give it to me at the monthly fee as well. So I feel like it's much more fair and it's much more customer friendly to give somebody that up front and not charge them like a cancellation fee or only give it to you if you're yearly. Yeah. I think, I think one of the reasons you don't see it is because cable companies, uh, they know that you can't leave anyway. Uh, so they're like, well, what are you going to do? Use somebody else? Ha ha ha. That, We're going to lock you into a contract. Bryce Whereas did find in, one. In, the, in this space, mm -hmm. there the, the question isn't how do we get you locked in for a long time? The question is how do we get you to try us at all? Yep. And so you more often see a free trial from these companies rather than uh, offering a contract, which would just put people off. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see something like this eventually come. I think, Shannon, you're right. More, more of a, hey, pay for a year at a time instead of paying monthly. Uh, because that seems to be a trend in, in online subscriptions. I don't think we ever go back to these abusive contracts, though, because companies are too worried that you just won't sign it in the first place. Bryce found the perfect example. So, yeah, interestingly, uh, Amazon Prime is cheaper to buy for a year instead of monthly. Prime is $13 a month monthly versus like uh, just under $10 if you buy yearly. But... Also, another wrinkle is that if you just get Prime Video, and we're talking about video here, that's cheaper than all of them at uh, $8.99 a month. Right. Um, You're so saying a... that you can buy the Prime shipping service yearly, which you, you could do that for a long time, I think even bef possibly only before they launched the video service. Right. You could only get it So, yeah, that's interesting. Though. Which yeah. which does, of course, include a full year of the, the video right, service. Right. And uh, AMC, the AMC um, uh, uh, oh, yeah. movie pass thing is AMC, yearly. Yeah. You, you have to buy yeah, a you, year. Of you see that buy a year and get a discount in subscriptions a lot. And I think the reason the only reason you don't see it in Netflix and Hulu right now is they just they want to make sure that you you don't get turned off. They, they they know that one of the advantages to signing up is you know you can sign you can sign off anytime you want. One thing I have seen is if you go in to cancel your account, a lot of times they'll offer you like that yearly discount if you stay stick around for like another few months or something like that. So yeah, it's sometimes it's worth trying if you're willing to give it up. We're seeing the return of the chicken challenge yeah, only in court killing format. <laughs> and then Mark Davey wrote in and said, one reason that Sling TV can keep their rates down is that they don't carry many local networks. This keeps carriage fees down. 
I, I, I'll let Mark finish. But they have a great option called Air TV, which provides all the locals through your own single antenna for a one-time cost. It works great, and the locals appear right alongside your other channels in the guide. Plus, it has my PBS channels and the side channels. No more ugly antenna in the room if you hook it up in your spare room on the second floor. Um, yes, and a lot of the other channels also don't have all of the local networks, and that's not terribly much an advantage. Also, they split it into blue and orange, which if you want both channels that are in both packages, they do end up being about the same price as a YouTube TV and PlayStation View. So I think one of the ways they keep their rates down is having a weird way of presenting their packages more so than just not carrying the local networks. But Mark has a great point that uh, nobody else provides such an easy way to get your over-the-air channels as Sling TV because it is integrated right into the software, and it's really nice. Nice. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was super fun. If folks want to find more of what you do, where should they go? Uh, well, I will chat about my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Shannon Morse. I just finished up a whole series of videos from New Zealand, which I got to visit earlier this year. Uh, so check out my daily vlogs there. I'm also doing a whole slew of videos uh, that are tech reviews. So I've started publishing those there. I have a whole bunch that are coming out as well, like a follow-up to my PC build that I recently did. Super fun. Can't wait to do more. So thank you so much to everybody who subscribes there. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we're live on twitch.tv slash nightattack, also on diamondclub.tv. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will talk to you again next time. Hey, guys. Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message. At the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh, my gosh. Because I've you got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's some names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cordkillers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people, like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>